Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. G'day everyone, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. You can follow us on Twitter, at Lyle Swithenbank, at Ethos Pelicans. The off-season continues, and with it, special guests. I am joined by none other than the fantastic Christian Clark from NOLA.com, Times Picayune. Christian, how are you going, mate? Thanks for joining us. Hey man, I'm I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, decompressing after a strange but but very fun season, and I'm kind of getting ready for the draft, man. It's an exciting time. I think they're at a really interesting place. I'm like, man, I'm just like running through all the possibilities and trying to talk to different people, get an idea of what they're doing at eight. But they're man, they're in a really interesting spot. Well, to think, um, being one of the few, if not the only, playoff team, I guess that's in the lottery. Uh, is a is a unique situation, no doubt, and and to be able to pick that uh, that I'll be able to get that uh, pick eight. Uh, I mean, what a fantastic situation! Have you had any inklings as to what they might be looking at around that that eighth pick? There seems to be a few names floated around throughout the different channels. Yeah, I've really started, you know, making a lot of calls on it this week and just gathering what I can. Um, you know, as these teams are coming out of the NBA draft combine. Um, I wrote, you know, kind of in the lead up to the draft, I'm just going to be doing these prospect profiles, just kind of, you know, um, overviews of guys I think, you know, might be on the board today, some potential targets. Um, the first one I did was Baylor Ford, Jeremy Sohan. And in that piece toward the bottom, you know, I just had a nugget in there. It just said, hey, look, at number eight, I think Jeremy Sohan is one of the names to watch. Um, and, you know, had had two other names in there too as well. Um, one of them was... Uh, Dyson Daniels, a guy you might be pretty familiar with, but yeah, I mean, I think they've kind of got a short list um, and I'm, I don't know. I'm curious to see how that changes as, as this process advances. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, obviously my own countryman, Dyson Daniels, that uh, would be pretty awesome to have an Aussie on the team. And uh, I've looked into him a fair bit, obviously being able to see him um, throughout the journey and he's going to come and play for our, our Aussies in the, uh, in the com games in the Olympics and the like. So we're looking forward to seeing him. Um, <laughs> well, where he goes, uh, it'd be great to have him. But again, there's so many of those prospects. We've got a few defensive sort of guys. We've got some scoring guys. Um, what do you think the team needs or are we just drafting on best prospect uh, available? Yeah. I mean, I just think the question in general of, you know, do you just take the best player available versus how much you measure fit? is a really interesting one. I would say, I mean, I don't fall in one camp or the other 100% of the time. I would say, generally speaking, take the best player available. Um, the way I like to think about the draft, 
kind of is, and I'm, I'm look, I'm by no means an expert or anything like that, but I love the, the article that John Hollinger does every year of like, here are my 20 guys. I just feel really confident in like, that's, that's kind of the way, you know, I like look at the draft of just like, I just have a list of like, all right, here's the guys I, I feel the best in. And like, I'm just going to ride for these guys. Um, you know, I think if the Pelicans had gotten the number one pick, I would have, you know, if I was them, I probably would have taken Jabari Smith. And that's, you know, more of a fit thing just because I feel like, look, they, they obviously still need outside shooting. Um, and I just feel like Jabari Smith is going to have a really high floor, but where they're at, at number eight, I think I would lean towards best player available more than, more than fit. I mean, I, I think I would just go like, well, here's the guy I feel the most confident in is that's really going to give me something at the NBA level. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I honestly think you can sort of develop a guy into, you know, um, the culture and, and and the fit. And if the jump shot's a bit shoddy, well, you know, if there's a knock on that, we've got Fred Vincent and, and those guys that can work on that. And, and I mean, we're getting a raw prospect at number eight. Whether you've got guys that can come in and, and contribute straight away or, or um, someone that may be a bit more ready, they're still going to have a, another developmental leap when they come into the league. So, I mean, sometimes it is just go and get the guy that uh, is the most talented or the guy that fits um, that you think could contribute and and uh, and make that um, make that decision. But I'm glad it's not me making it because there's some guys that I, that I'd take. I tell you what, but uh, I don't know how you'd be able to do, work out which one is your guy on the day. Uh, other than that, it's pretty exciting. So we've got a couple of weeks till the draft. So the guys, well, I suppose the Pels will be. Uh, meeting with the prospects and, and starting to run through different uh, meetings and the like with them. Um, seen a few names floated through that, uh, that they met with or allegedly met with. Um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. Uh, otherwise, the off-season so far has been a bit of a quiet one. Um, has there been anything on the Pels front that you've, you've heard? Uh, any of the guys getting back in the gym or anything like that? Or has it just been everyone's going off on holidays for a few weeks yeah i mean I, I think the guys who are on the roster this year yeah it's uh it's been a case of you know getting a little vacation in and like getting some sleep i remember herb jones saying towards the end of the season like you know i think he played the the most minutes on anybody on the on anybody on the roster so he was understandably tired i mean he just made a comment at one point in the season of like Hey man, this offseason, I'm going back home to Alabama and sleeping. So hopefully Herb Jones is sleeping. Hopefully he's bass fishing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think teams decision makers, you know, a couple of them were out in Chicago for the draft combine. I think, you know, they're really getting into the draft process right now. I think they're watching guys work out. Um, they're meeting with guys in person, which I think for the Pelicans is, is pretty important because they really value like, is this guy going to have work ethic? Does this guy have good character more than, you know, like the media and NBA team? Certainly. I mean, I think they're, you know, from what I've been able to gather, one of the NBA teams that, that values, you know, like the, the human element, um, you know, more than, more than most. So I think those in-person interviews and just like getting to really know who these people are, um, you know, on, on a human level is important to them. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty quiet. I mean, obviously, you know, the big thing coming up is design extension. What is going to happen with that? I mean, I, I reported a couple of weeks ago, basically that, Hey, look, he had another round of medical imaging pretty recently. And if that went well, then he'd be able to train 
you know, without any restrictions whatsoever. So every, all the murmurs I hear are positive of like, yeah, things are trending in the right direction there. That's great to hear. I mean, I mean, that's the big uh, piece of the jigsaw that, I mean, it falls into place. It unlocks a whole nother version of these Pelicans. I think we were hoping it was going to be last year, but then to get the season that we did, I mean, cast our eye back off. I mean, what a season starting that one and 12, three and 16, and we're in the trenches. And then all of a sudden we're flying and, and grinding that way through elimination games, trying to get into the playoffs. And all of a sudden, yeah, we get a fantastic playoff series against uh, the top ranked Suns, and wow, what a fun season, honestly. I mean, what were your takes on it on the high level, I suppose? Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I saw that turnaround coming. I mean, I just I didn't think they'd be able to do something like that without Zion, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I just didn't think that was possible in a, in a weird way. I mean, I think that could be so good for them that this team showed like, Hey, we're, we're capable of something without you. And like, they clearly showed that if we get a healthy motivated version of you, then we can really, really be something, you know, a team that wins like playoff rounds and, and, you know, and things like that. But yeah, man, I'm not going to lie. Like it was rough when they were one and 12 and three and 16. Like, it's just not fun going in there after every game like that and asking questions. And like, even then I think I was like, you just had to take the long view right now. Like I was not killing Willie green or any, and I don't think anybody was, they all understood. Like it's just devastating what has happened with Zion. You know, this team has had two disappointing years. Like, can this team just pick itself back up? Um, you know, if you'd asked me that, I probably would have said, well, no, not this season. And they did. And I think that's just what made it so fun. I mean, it was unbelievably fun that that last month or so, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know, to get to get one rookie who is a positive contributor in his first year, I think, you know, especially in like like the back half of the first round, the second round is extremely unlikely. The Pelicans had two of them. They had two of them and Herb Jones and Alvarado who were like plus NBA players who who meaningfully contributed to winning. Um, it's just I think very rare what what we saw there. Oh, to be able to find a couple of diamonds in the rough, I guess, you know, 35, I'll pick 35 for Herb Jones and then the undrafted. Uh, two way in in our in Jose. I mean, who would have thought it? And these guys became like cult icons. You know, people were the jerseys were getting put in, demanded to be put in the in the shop, and everyone's <laughs> rocking them. And you know, making songs about Herb Jones and about Alvarado. And oh my gosh, I, I don't think there's ever been two um, you know second rounders slash undrafted guys that have been as lauded in their rookie year as uh, as those two guys. How big were their contributions this year? I mean, pretty awesome story, to be fair. I mean, I I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Herb Jones saved saved people's jobs this year. Like, I mean, you know, that was it was just a very rough first two years. There was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, unhappiness with the way things had gone. Like, the ship got steadied this year, and I think the two biggest reasons why were the hiring of Willie Green. They crushed that hire, and then they hit a home run with the 35th pick in Herb Jones. I mean, man, I remember you know, the second game of the season, I think Willie started Herb, and I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> we're in game number two, and I know Zion's up, but, like, he's starting a second-round pick. Like, you, you don't see that very often. And, you know, I think Herb had a pretty rough game that game against the Bulls, but 
he's, he's back in, you know, stayed in the rotation. And I mean, look, we just, I just said it, like he led the team in total minutes. Like that's how valuable he was. Um, you know, I think back to, to last off season when Griffin Trajan said, Hey, look, there's three things we need to add to this roster. We need that shooting. We need to have t- uh, toughness and basketball IQ. And I mean, like the shooting, like I think Trey Murphy showed a lot of promising signs this year, obviously the three point shooting numbers as a whole are, are pretty un this team made it really big strides in in the departments of toughness and basketball IQ and I think Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado you know had a ton to do with that yeah well when it starts with your rookies as well you know the defense it, it must inspire the rest of the guys to say hang on well these guys are doing it they're busting busting their gut every single game everyone else stepped up and I think we saw that you know like Brandon Ingram really took a step defensively this year I, I think that was a big knock on him I think if there is a knock over the last few years, you know, he took a real step on that end as well as in his leadership. Looked stronger this year coming in. What did you, what did you think of, of Brandon this year? He, um, I thought he was, yeah, really took a step. And I think we saw the makings of a real a budding superstar, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was fantastic in those two play-in tournament games and that first round series against the Suns. Um, you know, that gave me a pretty good deal of confidence that, look, this is a guy who's a huge player, first of all, a, an excellent tough shot maker, a guy whose game can translate, you know, as the degree of difficulty gets higher, which is you know obviously very encouraging. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think, you know, B.I., the level he got to this year, uh, I kind of chalk it up to two things. One. I mean, everything you hear about him is he has an incredible work ethic. So I think it's no surprise that we've kind of seen improvement as his career has gone along. Like he's a guy who just lives in the gym. But number two is they found the right head coach for him. I mean, look, I think Brandon Ingram and Stan Van Gundy were oil and water in some ways. I mean, that was just, it just was not the right fit. You know, I mean, it was just not the right fit between player and coach and, and Willie Green and Brandon Ingram they clicked for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I think if you talk to people on the team, a big unlock for Brandon this year is just playing a little bit faster. That's something that, that Willie talked to him throughout the whole season of, you know, trying to play 0.5 basketball, uh, pass, shoot, or dribble within half a second of getting the basketball. I think Brandon did a jo- better job there. And I think he did a better job too of, of just trusting his teammates. I mean, we, we know he's an incredibly gifted scorer, so when, when you bend the defense towards you, like just find the open man and he's, he's a talented passer too. Um, so, I mean, you had to like what you saw from Brandon this year and, and him and Willie just, I mean, it was just obvious. Like they just, they just vibed. Yeah. You see all the, I mean, obviously not being as close around the team as, as you are, you just see the, the footage and all of the interviews and everything. They are just, you know, like, yeah, they've got a great relationship and, and every time they talk about one another, it is just, positive glowing uh you know responses and i mean you want that your star and your head coach to have that sort of ability to connect and you know the trust and belief in one another and i think that just unlocks the rest of the team and you get buy-in from the from your best guy well it sort of translates all the way down and um i mean i suppose it is a bit like chalk and cheese to last year where um you know uh, with the covert and and no crowds or limited crowds and no travel and um, you know, you weren't allowed um, in and out of the hotel rooms. It sound, and then you've got Stan Van Gundy who liked to, to run long trainings and is a bit of a more abrasive drill master sort of um, 
personality, I suppose. It is a bit of a uh, bit of a shift to, to Willie, who comes across very, um, I mean, stoic and, uh, you know, warm, building people up. Uh, you know, what does he say? Calling you up, uh, what? Not calling you out, calling you up, and and uh, I think that's just that's really resonated with all the young guys, and a great way for them to and the team to really go to that next level. Um, one of the guys, and I forgot to ask you when we were talking about Herb Jones, he got on the all rookie second team, no defensive team. Everyone was hyping him. Um, I don't know whether it's a snub or not. It's a rookie, so I mean, we have such high. Uh, expectation of this fella. Do you think he deserved a, a spot on those on those rosters on the on the team, all rookie team and all uh, um, defensive teams? So yes, I think Herb Jones belonged on all rookie first team, and I think he belonged um, on on an all defensive team. And actually, um, like we can talk about the voting process and this and that, but the paper I work for is you know, one of the hundred votes, like the, the times pick you and like we get a vote. Um, it's officially attributed to Scott Kushner. You know, I, I like, you know, he, me and him like kind of talk before we do it. And he kind of has like the final say, cause yeah, he's got the seniority and you know, it's, it's, it's his name on the ballot ultimately, but like, yeah, we put Herb Jones on first team all rookie. I had him uh, ahead of Jalen green. I thought Jalen green should have been second team. And yeah, I had him on an all defensive team. I mean, I think I mean, it just comes down to me. Like, I think he was one of the the best uh, 10 most impactful defenders in the entire sport this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was deserving. The one thing I'll say is that I think the voting process needs an overhaul. Like, there are so many, like, talking heads who get a vote. There are, there are beat writers. Like, I'm talking about myself. Like, you know, we have a vote. Like, if it was up to me, what I would say is, look, let's pick like nine smart national people and let's just give them a vote. Like, let's kind of go to a Supreme Court model and maybe uh, that's not the best thing to say right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like let's pick nine really smart national people who like, it's just tough for people in my position because it's like, I I have to be the expert on one team. And like, I watch a lot of other teams, but like, you know, it's it's just hard to be really in tune with like, what's going on with the Orlando magic when I'm like so focused on like the day-to-day of the Pelicans, you know? So, I mean, in my opinion, the, the voting process needs an overhaul. It's, it must be tricky because how do you watch? I mean, I'm sure there are people that do it, but how do you watch every single game and get across every single locker room and, you know, who's contributing night in and night out? I mean, we watch, we have the, the good fortune of being able to watch the Pels night in, night out. But, you know, like you said, to, to know what's happening every night in the Orlando Magic, well, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you who the best defender is now, um, which is probably more of a reflection of me. But, uh, you know, it's. Um, I agree. I think from all reports, I mean, obviously I don't get anywhere near the votes at all, but uh, it, um, it perhaps it is due for a new overhaul and, and a new way to do it as to how they would pick those national people. I don't know, but um, maybe, maybe that is something going forward because... We saw guys that were injured on the all-defensive team. They missed a lot of games, whereas Herb Jones played just about the top minutes in the whole league um, for his contribution, especially as a rookie. He was miles ahead of everyone else. Um, I mean, I could go on about Herb Jones and his contribution all all day. Uh, he was just he was fantastic this year. And the trust one, that Willie has in him. 
I was just going to say one more note about the voting too, real quick. And then we can go back to Herb. Like voting impacts sometimes how much money players make. And here's a very specific example. Trey Young made third team all NBA, which made him eligible for the super max instead of just like a regular max. And, you know, the, the regular max for him would have been 25% of the salary cap. Well, now he's eligible for contract that's 30% of the salary cap. And I think over the life of five deal, five years, that's something like 30 to $35 million simply because voters put him on an all NBA team. I don't think media should have any part in, in how much players are paid. You know, like I'm not, I'm not trying to affect how much NBA players are made. And it puts you in a weird position too, if you're a beat writer um, or just, you know, any sort of media personality. So that's another weird part of it. Salary should not be tied to like, you know, like a media awards that are voted on upon by, by media, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big thing because it also affects obviously team salaries and um, player salaries. I mean, $30 million is nothing to poke a stick at. I'd be pretty happy with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, gosh. And, and to think that guys could miss out on X amount of millions of dollars purely because of other people's, you know, voting and how it went. I mean, that's, that's tough. Um, but I guess, yeah, perhaps that needs to be looked at and, and maybe when the new CBA uh, is, is negotiated and the like, well, perhaps different contract uh, restrictions are put in and, and um, you know, that can be looked at in terms of tying uh, awards to salary. I don't know whether or not they'd do that, but um, that, uh, it could be a way to resolve it if they don't want to overhaul all the voting. But um, yeah, like I was saying, Herb Jones, oh my gosh, second round pick, 35. Uh, you know, he he was unbelievable. Third, I think, in the whole league in combined blocks and steals. He was just, oh, I mean, what was your thoughts on Herb Jones? I, I get flustered talking about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he saved some jobs, I think. Um, I mean, I think like he's almost like engineered in a lab to be, you know, an excellent like perimeter stopper in the NBA, like his, his instincts, like he can just see plays happen before they develop, you know, he gets his hands on a lot of balls because of that. And also I think his wingspan is seven foot two, seven foot three. He's, he's thin. So like, it kind of weirdly helps him like navigate screens. He's really good at like getting around screens and things like that. Like he never gets stuck up on them. Um, but he's not like so thin that he gets overpowered. Like, he, you know, I think one of the, the earliest sequences in the season when I'm like, yeah, this dude is just different was they're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves and he got switched on to Carl Anthony Towns and like Towns caught the ball near the left elbow and he tried to bully her. Like he tried to just like, All right, I'm going to drive it in your chest and knock you back and I'll just score at the rim. And Herb just like stood him up basically like near the left elbow Towns couldn't get close to the basket. He threw up like this just freaking brick that the Pelicans rebound. I was like, okay, like Herb just stonewalled, you know, a seven foot, 255 pound guy who's extremely gifted offensive player. Like this guy is just different. Um, and it was just a pleasure watching him, man. I mean, the other thing I'll say too is like, and I'm sure people at home can get this too, but incredibly selfless, like does not care about stats, only cares about winning. Um, and I think, you know, he's a big, he's a big reason why like the culture was so good on the team this year. Like there are just a lot of guys like that who are about the team and not themselves. 
and I think that's, I mean, it, it, I think we felt it as fans as well that these guys wanted to win more than anything else. They wanted to win, and uh, you know, changing different roles. You know, Devontae Graham obviously being brought in, decent contract, starting, and then becoming a bench player, and then basically almost falling out of the rotation towards playoffs, you know, when these vet guys are happy, well, happy to um, accept these roles or, or do it without real complaint, you can see that there's that mutual respect and, uh, you know, one team goal that these guys are happy to buy into. Because guys' roles changed flat out. Trey Murphy, Jackson Hayes, all these guys went through varying degrees of success throughout the season. And to have that buy-in, I mean, I've got to credit Willie, Willie Green and his staff and, um, you know, the organisation for putting these guys in a position to feel comfortable that, you know, you are valued just because you're not playing or you may not play this night. Willie, uh, I mean, Billy Hernan Gomez, another big example of, of culture and, and character. How big was that locker room? Ever, uh, people have spoken to have said that that was just strange, like the locker room, uh, to not have a better word, you know, that they were so close and so together. Did, did you find that around the team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was very true that there was just unity and guys pulling the rope in the same direction. Um, you know, I wonder how much part of that is like when you go through extremely challenging circumstances together and you come out the, the other side okay, like I think, you know, that that could do nothing but make you closer. Like, you know, like you look at guys who like like almost like – you know, I don't know. I don't want to like compare it to like military buddies or something like that, but people who go through adversity together, like I think it can bond you. And I think kind of that is part of what happened in the early season. Like the Zion thing was extremely devastating. And like, man, it was, it was like pretty brutal when they were like one and 12, three and 16. I mean, like they were getting crushed, you know, including by me. Like I'm not, <laughs> I mean, but everybody are hearing it from everywhere. Um, and they just little by little dug out of that hole themselves. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I think part of it too is like, you know, I, David Griffin and Trajan Langdon, like they've kind of said from day one, like, look, we're, we're really going to value like character. And I think an example of that, that they've taken some criticism for is uh, Christian Wood, you know, they decided to move on from him. Um, clearly a talented guy, none of this is a, he's like a bad guy, but Christian Wood's problem was that he just couldn't show up on time. You know, he had, he had promptness issues and, you know, the Pelican said, Hey, look, like we're not going to like, if you're, you're like fighting to make this roster, we know you're talented, but we're just not going to be part of that. Like we're, we want guys who are going to do things the right way. Um, they took some heat for, for letting him go. But I think like, you know, ultimately now, like that looks like a pretty wise decision. Um, so I think, you know, continually adding like the right types of guys, hard workers, guys who try to do things the right way that paid dividends for them this year. Absolutely. And having all these guys around the same age really seemed to, um, you know, affect the guys as well. You know, they all became fast friends. You could see that they're all hanging around together. Jose, Naji, and, and Bram B. I were like rolling around together all the time. They've <laughs> Come in in that um, the video they put out where everyone was clapping them. They came in uh, after the playoffs had finished, and uh, that last day of season, I guess it was. Um, and I mean to see that these guys are friends, you know, uh, doing interviews together and 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 um, getting in the uh, 
in the media room afterwards asking each other questions. I mean, that's fun to see. And I think fans um, connect with that because it looks like they're having fun. And so then all of a sudden the fan base goes, well, if they're having fun, well, we should have fun as well. And then the on-court success comes as well because guys are, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a game, isn't it? It's a game of basketball and, and, whether you get paid millions of dollars or we're just down the local court, it's because we want to have fun because we want to run around. And, and when you're having fun, you usually play better. Uh, Christian, final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap up. What, what are your predictions for this, I suppose, off-season heading into um, next season? Do we have any, any guys that you think we need to target in free agency or, or anything like that? Or, or are we standing pat? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I think like the biggest thing to watch, obviously, is the the Zion extension. You know, are they able to come to an agreement? I think you know Zion said in his exit interview he couldn't sign an extension fast enough. Um, you know, I did a longer piece, kind of exploring. Well, you know, what what are some structures for of deals in the past for guys who are clearly extremely talented but have had some issues staying on the court? Um, I think. You know, probably the closest precedent to what Zion and the Pelicans are going through is the Joel Embiid contract from 2017, I believe. Um, you know, that that contract Joel signed for $148 million guaranteed over five years. You know, it protected the 76ers, but only a tiny bit. I believe $98 million of it were were fully guaranteed, you know, even if Joel really, you know, had some of the, the same issues he had in his first three years, you know, going forward. Um, so you know, it, my my guess is that the Zion contract looks close to something like that, but it's it's hard to say right now. Um, I mean, they they have 14 guys under contract headed into next year, and you know that 15th spot, like you can kind of pencil in wh- whomever they take at number eight. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what they like if they reshape the roster. I mean, I think the first question is if, and then if they do, like, what do they do? And I think, you know, the names you look at is Devante Graham, maybe Jackson Hayes, maybe like those would be your, would probably be your, your pieces to, to make moves if you wanted to make them. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head um, that uh, with regarding both either Zion contract, I I suppose it will be similar to the, uh, the Joel Embiid uh, contract. I I saw as well Michael Porter Jr.'s one is similar to that as well uh, to a degree. And I, I think that's that's good business. I think you have to, uh, at this point, obviously you don't want to do it to the point where he's like, no, I'm not signing it. But, you know, you've got to protect yourself at the end of the day and the longevity of 
uh, of the team and the roster going forward. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Devontae Graham and, and Jackson Hayes are probably the two most likely to move if they do. Obviously, Jackson up for the extension as well. Um, and then as to whether or not they extend him, I suppose it comes down to whether or not the, the number's right. Uh, I don't think they want to extend a guy that's probably going to, well, will be coming off the bench when Zion's healthy and um, and give him 20 million. You know, they, they balked at that with Lonzo Ball. So um, that'll be interesting as well. I guess I, I watch this space for him. Um, honestly, I'm just really excited for the next season. I, I want it to start already. Uh, I know you're probably ready. You're still holding out, having a break, uh, waiting for the, uh, for the season to start. But um, really, really exciting. Christian, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Um, great to have you on the show again. Uh, can you let us know where we can find you, where we can, uh, anything you've got coming up and uh, yeah, where, where people can go and get hold of your work. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at cclark underscore 13. Uh, you can read my stuff at, at null.com. And uh, I think that the end of this week, next week will be fairly newsy. So just keep it locked there it should be fun so good thanks very much mate we'll uh have to have you on again sometime hey appreciate you having me on so thanks again to christian for jumping on the pod and having a chat with us it was really insightful great to chat with him about uh, all things off season as well as the season that was i mean as a guy that was so close to the team obviously uh, one of the beat writers it was great to get that insight and and know that things are trending the right way it sounds like zion's recovery's on the up and up, all things considered, and uh, the imaging, fingers crossed, has gone well, and, and he's back to full training. Exciting season to come. I mean, he also touched on the draft, as we know, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to know who our new Pelicans draftee is, and there are some exciting prospects. I mean, I might be biased to Dyson Daniels. I'd love to have him on the team, and uh, from all the research i say in inverted commas uh, that i've done he um he seems like a good fit and i i'd be excited to see what he can develop into under the tutelage of willie green and his staff particularly fred vinson who might help him get that three-point shot looking a bit more slick but otherwise guys i'm gonna leave it at that uh it has been fantastic again to chat to you all as always This has been the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Swithenbank. You can go and follow us on Twitter, at Lyle Swithenbank, at Ethos Pelicans. If you're on any of the podcast platforms having a listen, go and give us a rate and review. The five-star reviews and comments are so important for us to continue to grow, so I appreciate everyone that's done that. Um, But yeah... Stay safe, everyone. Look after yourselves. And I'm going to have a chat to you again in, I don't know, a couple of days, I think. We've got a big draft show coming up. So keep an eye out for that. uh, And I'll leave you to it. Bye for now. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.